am more animal than the zoo allow Put me in the wild, I'll be there for a while You niggas literally, call them Curacao Energize the money, it keep going I'm laid up, I'm free throwing Who rebounded, who gives a shit Fuck that, I got 27 years of this Hit or miss, I hit your missus You are local news I'm 60 minutes. I, I hit the target. This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. All right, here we go. What's good, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but if you're looking for a new place to get your hair cut, go see my man Tyler Pope. Fades on fourth. He's a family man. He's running a family business here, and he's trying to grow it, and I'm trying to help out my buddy. So if you're looking for a fresh fade, if you're looking for something different, if you're looking for a little lineup, to my white brothers out there, he can take care of y'all too. Go see my man Tyler Pope. If you tell him and mention my name, Benny T, he's going to tell you what's good. That's my boy. And now you're going to get this $60 Supreme package for only 35 because that's what I do for my friends. And he's a friend. And I'm his friend. And so go see him and get right. All right. If you're listening to this, I am actually on vacation. I got done with the show. I taped everything early. Worked all weekend long. Working on the weekend like usual, you feel me? And now I'm in Las Vegas, and so I'm dropping this, and I'm probably sitting poolside somewhere or doing some pretty dope shit because I've got a lot of dope shit planned, and next week is going to be the episode Vegas Vacation where I come back and recap the week. Uh, We're doing a lot of cool stuff out there. My girlfriend Maddie and I are headed out there. Well, actually, we're there right now, and if... uh, if you've been listening, you know that Maddie just took her first job and she's going to be moving out to be the activities coordinator for a glamping company that sets up right outside of the Grand Canyon. So it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I could not be more proud and more happy for her, but she's going to be gone from the end of March to the end of October. So this is kind of like our last hurrah, in a sense. It's kind of sad to say that, but um, yeah, we don't have a lot of time left together in person. We're going to make it work. We're going to do the long distance thing. I'm going to go out there and visit her. I got a free place to stay. It's a pretty dope complex they have. It's like a hundred units that sets up right outside of the park. And she's going to be the girl that plans out the week for the families and the people and the couples and the solo people, everybody that comes out to stay there, she's going to put together an excellent itinerary for you guys. And it's what she does in real life. And I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't be more proud and happy for her. I, I mean, I can't say that enough. I can't stress that enough. So we decided we were going to take a trip and have like six or seven days just to focus on each other. So we went out to Las Vegas. I love Vegas. This is my third time out here. I've been for a bachelor party and I've also been as a family trip and I recounted that Christmas trip out in um, I, I believe the Christmas or New Year's special so there's a lot of good stories from that Vegas I mean can you imagine being in Vegas on Christmas and Christmas Eve as a family it was pretty nuts uh, <laughs> but now we're out here and I'm gonna have some really good stories for you next week and then we'll get back into Uber stories it'll be Uber stories part 26 a couple weeks from now This is Uber Stories Part 25. I've got some good stories for you that we're going to jump into in a minute. If you're a new listener, then welcome to the show, my friends. If you're somebody that has ridden with me, that I've handed a card out to you, or if you're somebody that has 
just found the show some way, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, however you found it, it's good to have you with us. I hope that you'll come along for this ride and this journey because we're literally, we have started from the bottom and now we're not necessarily here, you know what I'm saying, but we're here which is a couple rungs below here and getting to where we're trying to go. Actually, it's a far way away from where we're trying to go, but that's the beauty of it. You you can be like the guy that bought in at Apple stock. You're like, I got in. I got in when it was like 20 cents a share, and now it's worth 200 a share, and you're fucking rich, and the content is going to make you rich, and the stories hopefully will make you rich <laughs> because when you spend time listening to something or reading something or watching something, you're investing your time, and you hope that it will be quality content. That's what I offer you and that's what I promise to deliver week in and week out. So if you're new to the show, welcome. We always do five stories. I typically end on a positive one or some kind of an uplifting story at the end. They're all anonymous, so don't worry. I'm not here to out anybody. And if you like the show, please leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and on the Facebook page for the show. It's at Real Talk W Benny T. You can follow along on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at BennyTomp18. I'm doing exclusive content on TikTok, um, and I actually had a, a first, my very first rider story that I posted on a TikTok and had a couple of riders in it, and uh, they were spitting some bars, so that was pretty good. But follow along, and please subscribe, rate, and review. We've got some great stories this week. We've got some really great stories this week. Foul play. This is going to lead us off today. This is a story about some very suspicious details surrounding the death of one of my writer's daughter. And I was listening to this this the story unfold, and I was like, "Hey, I, I want to help, and I, you know, I, I can help you maybe get some exposure." She's trying to get these detectives to reopen the case, and it, I don't I don't know where it's going to go. Um, she was a big proponent of Marcy's Law and protecting victims' rights, and she was featured in a documentary that they did and went to Frankfurt to, to film it and everything, and, and I just, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, holy shit, like, did I just become a murder podcast? Are we going to potentially solve a case here? That would be, to, for, to me, that would be my, my wildest fantasy would be to get to play detective and actually go down that road and become one of those murder-solving podcasts. I, and I absolutely believe if, if there's truth to everything that I'm being told here, there's maybe some things to follow up on that maybe weren't in the police investigation. So, I don't know. Did I just become a murder podcast? Maybe. Maybe. It's too early to tell. But that's a good story. That's going to lead us off today. The next story is Philly Street Soldier. This is a story about a guy who just moved down to Louisville from Philly and was telling me about living in the streets, on the corner, street life in Philadelphia from age 14 to 22. And he tells me what that's like and what the most fucked up thing he had to do was. And it is fucked up. Across the street is next. This is a quick story from a CNA. She gives me a couple stories about working as a, as a certified nurse's assistant. Wrong car is a funny story. We don't really get a ton of funny stories, but this is a pretty funny story about a harmless little mix-up. And then finally, stay in the fight. This is a story about hope, addiction, overcoming personal trials and tribulations, beginning again, and staying in the fight. So that's what we got on the plate for today. I also have a handful of short stories that we'll get to in a minute. Um, here's another thing that I'm trying to really connect with this show. A big part of what I do driving around all day is playing music and being a DJ for everybody that's in the car and kind of setting that vibe, right? 
And I've begun making and building these playlists on Apple Music and on Spotify. And so now, you know, when I reference things like, oh, I was driving on a Sunday, I got my Sunday service playlist rolling, or I got my Uber Bangers playlist rolling, or Another Day in the Trenches, like now you guys can go and listen and download those playlists. And now you can get a feel for what the rides are like or what kind of songs we're listening to, what I'm listening to in the gym, stuff like that. And you think, I don't give a shit, you know, and maybe fine, you know, do you boo. But for the people who are interested and I just thought, you know, look, this is also a big component of what I do. I mean, I use the music for the intros and I am playing music all day long. And when I reference that stuff, it might be good to have that available to you, my listeners. So if you go to Apple Music and type in at BennyTomp18, just like I am on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, there are you will find all the playlists. And thus far, I've shared the We Chillin' playlist. This is a very smooth R&B, laid back type, just awesome songs, baby making music, some of them. And uh, I've, I've been playing that all this week. I have shared that. I am creating a playlist thread on Twitter and on Instagram so that they are also available to anybody that wants to listen to those. But I've got the We Chillin' playlist up there. I've got the Real Talk with Ben Tompkins playlist up there. That's all the music that I use on this show, all of the show intros and Real Friends by Kanye, the outro that we leave every single episode with. Uh, Uber Bangers is my EDM playlist. Another Day in the Trenches is a rap playlist. Sunday Service is my soul music. Some Marvin Gaye, some Sam Cooke, The Temptations. Sail Out is a playlist that includes a lot of artists like John Mayer, Dave Matthews, uh, Jack Johnson, Natasha Bedingfield, the Google Dolls, Nora Jones, my girl Nora Jones, man. That is Sail Out. That's very smooth as well. San Junipero is my 80s playlist, okay? Middle School Me is some punk rock, some Sum 41, Blink 182, Newfound Glory. I got all the bangers on there. Uh, you guys didn't probably know that I had that side of me, right? You probably thought I was all rap, all EDM all along. No, actually, I was a big fan fan of punk rock because I connected to that as a middle schooler. So that's middle school me. Draper Vibes is a jazz and crooners playlist. It's got Sinatra, Dean Martin, Bobby Darin. It's got some Dave Brubeck and Miles Davis. Um, and surprisingly, I don't know if anybody, if you're into jazz music, have you listened at all to any of the music that Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, has put out? I swear to God, it slaps. It is so good. He's got a great voice. And the music that he put out, he, he released an album uh, within the last couple years. I can't remember when it actually was. But I mean, he nails it, and I, and I, and I I mean I, I just personally I think anything that Seth MacFarlane does is a hit. I like whether it's the movies Ted or whether it's Ted Two or whether it's Family Guy or whether it is the show Cosmos that he's doing with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, one of the smartest astrophysicists in the world. I mean, Seth MacFarlane is just a very complicated and I think misunderstood person just because people see the Family Guy stuff and they're like, wow, that guy, fuck that guy, you know. Uh, but he's wildly talented and he's a hell of a speaker and he's a hell of a singer so he's on there as well and then you guys listen you know I'm from Kentucky right I mean you know I rep Louisville Kentucky so I of course have a country playlist city bowls and uh hey city bowl that's a city bowl right there he from the city that is my country playlists and uh I I I know I'm I'm a very well-rounded musical connoisseur savant you could say all right and I also have a couple playlists that I built of uh like different artists whenever I go to a festival 
I put together any artist that I want to go see, I'll put together a list and add songs from that artist because I'm planning on going to see those and performed live. So I'm like, oh, I want to create um, a Coachella playlist and a Hangout playlist and a Lollapalooza playlist and a wireless playlist. So all of those are up there as well. And uh, I I think you guys will really enjoy that. If you're looking for some new music, some good playlists, if you're wondering or ever curious about what I play in the car when I'm driving people around and I'm working, um, there you go. You've got it all at your fingertips now. I started this week at the beginning of the week, I started the week by saying, this is PR week, and I ain't talking public relations, you dig? And boy, oh boy, did we hit some fucking PRs this week. Not only did I do the longest trip that I've ever done, and so earlier this week, I, the, the one story from last week, because of the snow days and I wasn't driving in that, the only day that I drove was actually this past Monday, or I guess last Monday at this point. It's it's weird. I'm taping this on a Sunday, right? So that I can drop this on a Wednesday and be be seamless with it. But I, I guess I got a reference last Monday was technically when I did that first ride. And then on Uber Stories Part 24, I talked about being up in Cincinnati. So that was technically still part of this week, though. That was Monday. That's how I started the week. With a PR, the longest trip that I've ever completed, two hours and 20 minutes from start to finish. It was the longest distance, 129 miles. It was the most money that I ever made on a trip, 134 bucks. It was the most money that I ever made in a day, 252 bucks. It was also the first time proving this concept outside of Louisville, doing the Uber Stories Cincinnati bit. And I cannot wait to go out in the spring and the summer and go do Uber Stories Chicago, Uber Stories Nashville, Uber Stories Indy, more Cincy stuff. I'm literally just going to crash on a friend's couch for like three or four days, just drive 10 hours a day, grab those stories, come back, and there's an episode right there. And eventually, my my longer-term vision would be to do different seasons in different cities. So this week was really great for me because I got to prove, hey, I can go up to Cincinnati and I can do this and it'll work and it's a great way to continue expanding the reach of the show because now I'm handing out business cards up there, I'm selling people on the show, I'm getting people involved outside of just this Louisville bubble and that's amazing. So it was a really great week for that. I also did the most trips that I've done in a day, 20, that's a new personal record for me. Uh, And also, something new that I'm doing is I'm on TikTok, right, at BennyTomp18, and I've been releasing some videos either between rides or like my little introductory, hey guys, this is why I'm creating this TikTok account. Uh, Eventually, I'll be releasing audiograms on there for the episodes and getting people to... uh, You know, because it's one thing to read something, but then if you hear a clip like those audiograms that I've been putting up on social media, then you're you're a little bit more inclined to want to hear where the rest of that story is going to go. You just hear this little snippet and it's like a tease and you're like, wow, I want to understand the concept and the context of that. Like, what's going on there? That sounds pretty crazy. That sounds pretty interesting. What's next? So... I've been releasing those, and um, this past week was actually, uh, I got the most views on a TikTok video that I've done to this point, just about 1,300, which is, I mean, listen, small potatoes compared to these TikTok stars that are getting 50 and 100 and and a million views on their shit, but hey, for somebody releasing their seventh video on TikTok, I'd say that doing 1,200, 1,300 is pretty good. I'll take that. That's, That's a new PR. We hit a new PR with that. 
I would have hit a new PR with most rides in a week and most money in a week. I'm like 50 bucks short as of taping this on Sunday morning um, from my personal best in, in terms of most money earned in a week. I'm like 50 bucks short of it. And that might change. Uh, I might still go out later. It's raining really bad right now. And uh, I, I don't know that I want to get the car. You know, I have these WeatherTech um, like floor mats that I put in the car and, and got. But uh, it's still, you know, it's a, it's a pain. People are opening and shutting the door. It's raining real hard. The door's getting wet. Uh, people are wet. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, so I'm, I might not go out and drive. And, and I might be cool with just being like, you know what? I got really close. And I know that that's just an even more of an incentive for me to come back after I get back from this trip and hit the ground running and go earn that and go break that. So that's like another little breadcrumb for me. And to this point, the most rides that I've done in a week is 60. Now, I did 41 this past week, again, assuming that I don't go out and drive on on, on uh, Sunday later after I tape this. But at, at this point, I did 41 rides, and the most rides that I've ever done in a week was 60. And I absolutely would have demolished that had I not had a, had a ride that took me all the way to Cincinnati, took two hours and 20 minutes, and then I had to basically at some point, once I got back down into Florence, Kentucky, turn off the app and just drive home um, off the clock, you know, and, and that kind of sucked, but whatever, it was worth it, but um, yeah, I, I think if I had just been driving all of that amount of time just doing rides here and around the city of Louisville, absolutely, I would have smashed the most rides in a week, probably by five or ten rides, gotten about 65, 70, um, but again, that's just something that I'm looking at now as another challenge, as once I get back from Las Vegas, and once I'm kind of looking ahead, and once Maddie leaves, I mean, I, listen, I'm really sad about that, I am, um, and it kind of feels like something that has been in my mind as happening in the future, in the future, I'm so caught up in my own shit that I really haven't stopped to think about, you know, oh wow, this is like fastly approaching. I mean, we are on the trip that's kind of one of those like, hey, we're here to focus on each other and spend this time together because I'm leaving. And 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 she's coming back, probably. Who knows? Maybe she ends up being offered a full-time position, which would be excellent. And and honestly, our relationship and our bond is so strong that we could endure that. And and honestly, all I've ever wanted is somebody that I feel like completes me and that makes me a power couple and that I can grind in life alongside. And, and we can have our own things and we can thrive independently, but together and grow together and love each other and have each other's backs. That's what I got with this woman. I fucking love this woman, man. And it's it, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, like I said, it's that's tough when 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 you can't see the person that you love and you got to be separated by distance, but you know, I'm I'm telling her like, look, people do this moguls do this all the time. Like people talk about being a power couple. No one actually talks about what it's like to have one person living in New York and the other person living in LA. And no one talks about what it's like to be like Russell Wilson and Sierra, like power couple to the max, right? But Russell Wilson probably doesn't have a lot of spare time for, you know, 5 months during the season and the postseason and the preseason and all that kind of stuff. And Sierra, I I don't think that she's really I don't know. Maybe she's still touring. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if she's making music or not. But I know she probably has her own thing that she's got going on. She's jet set lifestyle here one day and and here the next day. And like, no one talks about that part of being the power couple. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be New York and L.A. It could just be, you know, like you guys living in Indy and Louisville or one person takes the job. They move out there first to get established. And then the wife or the husband moves out with the kids or with the dogs or whatever the situation is later. I mean, that happens all the time. And there's going to be some lonely nights when you stick it out with one person. But that's the beauty of it is that you have that one person. And I have that. And I'm really excited about that. But um, one of the things that I'm excited about is that now, uh, wh- while I, I love spending time with Maddie and I, and I dedicate a lot of quality time to her, now I'm going to have a little bit more free time to really put my head down and really grind and, and really try my hardest and give it everything I got over, the, over this year. And grow the show as much as I can, and uh, and and just see where it goes. Keep building, keep building, keep building. So it's going to be great. And uh, I've got different goals now. You know, we're going to get back from this trip, and now I'm looking at the spring and the summer as a time of I am going to be totally focused on this. I'm going to go to these different cities. I'm going to keep saving money and get some stuff, get some merchandise and get some QR codes and send those out to my friends and have them stick those around cities. And it's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a campaign. And I'm really excited about that. But those are the little things that I'm kind of thinking about in the back of my head. Okay. One other thing that, uh, I said at the beginning of last week was I'm, I can't please everybody. And (laughs) that's because I'm not for everybody, but the people that I am for you better believe they're for me. You know, I, I was a little bit, <laughs> I guess, rubbed the wrong way or just frustrated or uh, kind of pissed off, kind of kind of, kind of of pissed off a little bit when um, I got a little bit of feedback and the only feedback that, that was really there was like, uh, I don't know, maybe don't cuss as much, you know, but what do I know? I don't listen to podcasts. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, sure, like that's your opinion, cool. But the thing is, when I hand these people who I connect with that are my writers and I tell them about the show and I I, I tell them as a disclaimer in person every single time, hey, if foul language offends you, you know, it might not be the show for you. And you know what everybody does? They go, oh, no worries. I say it all the time. Oh, that doesn't bother me at all. No. Are you crazy? And and I literally had an older real estate woman be like, no, the word is fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. In fact, I said it in front of a client's six-year-old daughter tonight. I was like, the word is fuck. Learn to get over it. I was like, damn, you my girl, girl. But like, I hand the card to these people and I tell them, hey, if you aren't a fan of foul language, you might not be a fan of me. And Everybody's like, oh, dude, no, are you kidding me? So I'm not worried if somebody that never listens to podcasts and, and, and is probably never going to listen to me goes, oh, I don't like it. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of cuss words, you know? A, that's how people talk, okay? And, and B, the only feedback that really matters, the only feedback that really matters to me are the text messages that my writers send me after I've dropped them off. And later in the day, I'll get this random text message from a number that I don't have saved, and it'll be a thank you. Or when writers tell me, like I had a guy that I picked up downtown, and at the end of a 10-minute ride, he said, I love you, Benjamin. I love you. I was like, I love you too, dog. (laughs) Like the reviews that people leave and the things that they say to me straight up, that's what I care about. And, that, and that's the reason that I, I do this is to help people because, look, do I want this podcast to blow up and, and be wildly successful and go where I want it to go? 
Yeah, dude, absolutely I do. But that's because this is the profession and the thing that I've chosen. And I want to be successful in what I do. But I don't do this just to just for clout and just for fame. I don't want to be famous just for the sake of being famous. I mean, what is that? That's empty. That's an empty life surrounded with empty people, shallow people. I want this to become what I want this to become because the content is so good and because the vi- the, like, the mission is so good and so real and people connect with it and it forms a sense of community like, oh, you're fucked up too, cool. Like we can be fucked up together and that's okay, you know? Or I'm flawed or hey, let's celebrate each other or let's push each other, let's motivate each other, let's let each other know we got each other and we're in this shit together and life is a battlefield and it's a war and only real soldiers make it to the end. You gotta really be in it, man, and you gotta just keep the faith in those day-to-day battles because everybody, that's the thing, everybody has something that they're battling We might not see it, we might not know about it, they might not tell us about it, but every single person that you meet is battling something. And each day that we live on this earth is a battle, it's a struggle, it's a series of decisions. And over the course of time, that's how you win the war, by winning each little day, each little decision, each little moment, each battle, and staying in the fight. That's why I do this, to remind people this is what you're here for and remind people and pull them, pull their why out of them. Hey, what's your why? Why do you grind? Why do you go to work? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you continue to do what you do day in and day out? I know why I do it. It's because I never want anybody to feel as shitty and as alone and as abandoned as I have and I want to be for everybody else what I always wished that I had growing up. That is my biggest thing. That is the thing that I'm most passionate about. And it's funny because I flirted with this at different points in my life. I had this blog I was doing called The Blog of B. And uh, it was geared towards helping college students, preparing for the real world. But um, now I'm kind of realizing like, whoa, I, I have... Um, uh, uh, an ability to connect with not just college students, but now everybody from all different walks of life, any different religion or sexuality or or uh, you know race or or political affiliation, like spiritual beliefs, anything like that. I mean, most of the time, I'd say ninety six percent of the time, I'm connecting with somebody and having a really deep conversation with them in the car, and. That's why I do it, man. That's why I do it. And to get text messages like the one that I get in this last story that we're going to end with today, stay in the fight. And when I get people who come back and say, man, thank you so much and leave reviews for me and and say this was the best thing that could have happened for me is meeting this fucking guy. I'm like, that is the only feedback that matters to me. That's why I do this. Do I want it to blow up? Do I want it to catch on? Yeah, absolutely. But that's because I, I I want it to I want to <laughs> I want it to do those things because I want to be able to do this forever and support myself doing this, you know, and for it to catch on and for it to help other people. And and at the root of everything that I do is it's it really is it's helping other people get through their day, remind themselves why I'm here and and what I grind for. And all these other beautiful things that I got going on in my life. And if I can remind somebody of that and kind of get them to focus and center on that, then maybe, just maybe, they'll get out of the car going to wherever they're going and feel a little bit better about it. They'll feel a little bit more empowered and emboldened 
and, and, and passionate about what they're doing. And it doesn't matter what somebody tells me that they do, whatever they do, I encourage them. I gas them up. If you want to be whatever, you know, pick the example, go be the best whatever. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters, man. That's all that matters. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It, it, it really is. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I just, again, I, I just, I want to reach a lot of people and help a lot of people. And it's it's twofold. It's I'm helping them not only in the things that we're talking about. Uh, I'm also helping them in a, in a literal sense get from point A to point B safely. Like taking them where they need to go. And, and ensuring that they're safety. And being the safe Uber driver, Right. Uh, an Uber driver that women don't have to worry about getting in alone and thinking, is this guy going to get gropey with me? Like some Uber drivers do, right? Or, I mean, just anything along those lines. Or the people that get in and it's raining and they're like, is this guy going to get me where I need to go safely? Like, that's a lot of trust that you put in somebody when you just hop in their car and, and off you go, you know? And I take pride in being that guy. I'm that guy. I'm the fucking plug, man. And when I meet people and I'm able to connect them with other people and, and I, I, you know, the thing is I, I, I try like, I, I don't have a lot of respect for the people you've seen this. You've seen the people that, you know, they'll do one good deed. They'll buy a homeless guy lunch and then they'll like get a selfie with, with the homeless guy. And it's like, who is that really for? Is that for you? Or is that for everybody on social media that you're trying to sell on, hey, I'm a good person, you know? Like, who is that for, man? Because you're not fooling us. You're not fooling us at all. You're not fooling me, at least. And I don't do this to be able to say, hey, I did this really great thing for somebody. I do this because I, I genuinely want to help somebody out. And so when I connect somebody with something, hey, I know somebody that you should talk to. And I, I do, I, I make an introduction and I give somebody their number and I connect the two and I get a real sense of joy and pride out of that. It's like, I'm not going to benefit from this at all, whatsoever. It has nothing to do with me. But if I could help somebody get closer to where they're trying to go along their route and be the plug, be the plug for that person, then that's cool with me. I'll take the assist. Yeah, I got assists piling up every day, man. I, I I told my friend Aaron Harris, I was like, dude, I'm like Willie Beeman now here, man. I, I you know I throw touchdown passes all over the city, just hoping that somebody's gonna catch them. And eventually, <laughs> you know, I look back and and people will reach out to me and say, hey, thank you for doing that. Like, just want to let you know I got linked up with the person and it's great. And and thank you so much. Like, you had no reason to do that for me and I really appreciate that. And I'm like, dude, that's the reason I do it, man. That's the reason I do it is to get text messages like this and know that, you know, I threw a touchdown pass up in the air and, and they went down and grabbed it. Like, that for me is fucking everything. So, uh, and and again, that's the only feedback that matters to me. If you don't like that I cuss a lot, then fuck you. <laughs> That's simple. Find another show, okay? Now, I want to hop into some of the short stories real quick, and then we'll hop into the stories because I feel like uh, I'm just going 100 miles a minute, and I, and I, you know, I'm really excited. I, I got a lot of great things going on. So uh, let me hop into these short stories, and then we'll hop into the stories, and then that's the episode. Short stories. Um, this was a first for me. I got to sing "Happy Birthday" to one of my writers. 
uh, him and his wife got in and she said, oh, it's his birthday today as we were talking. And I said, no way. Uh, well, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I said, hey, do you want to sing to him? She was like, sure, you'll do that. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. So we drove down the road singing happy birthday to this guy. <laughs> and, you know, these are the little moments that eventually, I, you know, I think this could be a show where somebody wants to stream it on Twitch and on YouTube and I have a camera in there. And it's uh, that that's one of those little moments that's that's just, I don't know, it's just light and cute and funny. And uh, that was a first for me. I got to sing happy birthday with a writer and and be with somebody on their birthday. So that was pretty cool. Um, Friday night, this past Friday night, I had a group of four hop in. Two guys, two girls, they had all graduated high school between like 2013 and 2015. And when I told them that I hosted a podcast, they were like, oh, what's it about? So I told them two stories and they were loving it, dude. They were loving it. And I, I dude, I can't like, it's it's really hard to grasp if, uh, you know, if, if you've ever given a presentation or you've ever stood up on stage and, and delivered, you know, a monologue or tried a comedy caravan type deal, an open mic night, or even a singing, like going to karaoke, but you're just rocking it. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That feeling of being like, yeah, I'm fucking nailing it, man. Like, I'm fucking nailing it, bro. Like, that is an intoxicating feeling. And making somebody laugh and having someone hang on every single word that I'm I'm saying and I'm telling them in this story and the story is just flowing and I'm I'm literally just like peaking in that moment. Like that is better than any drug you could ever take. Is just like my heart's racing, my adrenaline is up, and I'm just in the zone. And it was really cool. And and I think, you know, I handed the guys two cards. Uh, the guy who was sitting in the front seat was just absolutely losing it. He thought it was just hysterical. I told them the tweaker story about the uh, the people who were on meth that I was dropping off to at least confront somebody at the very most. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't like to I don't like to think about that. Uh and I don't know if it ever happened. I don't know if anything ever happened or they just showed up and said, hey, we need to talk and resolve their issues peacefully. But, you know, I don't know. I, I just know what happened in the car and, and it was pretty wild. And that was a couple podcasts ago. So go listen to that one. I think that one's called Tweakers. Uh, it is called Tweakers. And then uh, the other one was Metro Station, which was the story about the guy who got in that was on his way to one of these pornographic movie theaters and or, or actually was on his way back from that and, and was telling me that he had... Uh, you know, been active at this place. Let's just put it that way. Go back and listen to Metro Station if you're curious about that one. But that one was wild as well. So I, I'm telling them these stories. They were loving it. Uh, that was a really good one. Baby on board. This was this was. <laughs> I was like I was low key spooked. This woman got in, and she was wearing what appeared to be a uh, you know like. I don't know, one of those big sweaters that honestly look like somebody just cut the hole out of a blanket and they just throw it on and it's like fashionable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not even hating on it. I'm just saying like, that's what it looks like. Right. And I, I really don't, I really don't spend a ton of time like analyzing the person that gets in. I turn around, I look at them when they're getting in. I'm like, Hey, I greet them. How you doing? And they get in like, Hey, good. You know, whatever. And then I, you know, my eyes are, 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 are right back to like the app and where we're going. And I start the ride and off we go. So I, she gets in and she's, she appears to be maybe a bigger woman, um, wearing one of these, you know, type of, uh, I don't even know if it's a dress or a jacket. I don't know. Literally a blanket with his head cut off. Okay. That's what I'm going with. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't think anything of it. Right. 
Well, then all of a sudden, I, I hear like these noises coming from in the back seat, and it's not noises that she would be making. It sounds like there's a baby, and I'm like, do you have a baby back there? She's like, oh, yeah, he's breastfeeding, and she literally had a baby underneath this blanket, and so I'm like, oh, my God, like, I had no idea she had this baby underneath there, you know, getting some mama's milk. And uh, it was just, it was jarring because I hadn't, I'm I'm literally hearing a baby coming from the background. And it was too real to have been a video she was playing on her phone or something like that. And and I, and I was just like, I was like, what the hell is that? Do we have a baby in here? She's like, yeah, he's under here. He's just, you know, it's lunchtime. I was like, okay, nice, sweet. Uh, that's awesome. Okay, good deal. Um, I also, uh, Friday night, um, this, this past Friday night was really a savage day. I, I literally drove from 10 AM. I started really early and I drove to 11 PM and I had a couple breaks in there for lunch and dinner, but like an hour each. And when I was taking my break for dinner, uh, I was really hungry and I knew that this was going to be my last ride. Like I had literally stopped the requests. I turned the app off in, in that sense and I was going to complete this ride and go home. And it was perfect because the ride was taking me down River Road. And so now I'm headed out to Prospect where I live and it's perfect. And uh, this woman gets in, her name is Toya. And she tells me that she's the head chef at this place called Vibes. It's a restaurant and lounge on River Road. And I had actually seen an Instagram post for this place talking about a Drake versus Future night. And the pictures of the, of the nightclub looked pretty sick. Um, I don't know if they would like me categorizing it as a nightclub. Lounge would, would probably be the best way to, to, to because that's what it is. It's a lounge. They, they have DJs. Uh, they have a kitchen, which is banging, by the way, because I'm like, oh, this is sick. Like, you're the head chef there? No way. I literally saw this Instagram post, was super curious about it had never heard of this place. She's like, yeah, we just opened up at the beginning of 2020, basically. So we're still pretty new and getting our name out there. And I was like, well, that's dope. Well, what kind of food do you guys serve? I mean, the woman's the head chef, you know? I'm like, well, I I didn't, you know, what kind of food do you guys serve? She's like, oh, honey, we got it all. You know, We we got chicken wings. We got, and I was like, stop right there. You had me at chicken wings. I'm hungry. You're my last ride before I go home. You know, can I drop an order in and can I place an order to go? She was like, yeah, well, you know, the kitchen technically doesn't open until 7. Our doors don't open until 7. And it was like, we were going to arrive there at 6.50. So it was like 10 minutes early, right? And I was literally taking her to, you know, the the kitchen can't really open and, and operate without her. She's the head honcho. And I said, yeah, I mean, that, listen, that's cool. Like, I'll wait, whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I love wings. I would definitely love to try this place and, uh, you know, be able to review it a little bit, you know. And she was like, oh, yeah, baby, I got you. I got you. So uh, I had the the buffalo wings and their vibes wings, which were like kind of some sweet and tangy wings with a sauce on them. Fire. French fries. Fire. Sprite you know, out the fountain, so it tastes hella syrupy, fire, and I met the guy who actually owns it, uh, he told me his name was Trey, and I, you know, shook him his hand, the, the waitress that came out to wait on me was very friendly, and uh, it was, it was really cool, so I was like, dude, I'm definitely gonna come back here, and you guys should do a Kanye versus Lil Wayne night, because they've been doing, like, they had a Rihanna versus Beyonce night, they've done Drake versus Future, I'm like, if you guys, I mean, I, I sh- and I almost, I'm, I'm mad, I didn't have anybody to go with. I literally almost went by myself to the Drake versus Future night. Um, but if they do a Kanye versus Wayne night, I'm in. Like, say less. I'm there. Uh, Drake 
any anybody else versus Drake, I, I'm not going to miss it. You know, I want to go. So that was really good. And then I ate dinner and I went on the bat- battlefield for like a couple more hours that night. And that was uh, that was Friday. So that was that was an awesome one. And then uh, also, uh, last thing here, if you have had COVID nineteen, okay, if you have tested positive for it and you have the antibodies. I literally picked up somebody this past week who was telling me they were coming back from donating blood and donating plasma. And they said, if you donate plasma and you have the COVID antibodies, they will pay you $100 a pop twice a week. So you could be making 200 extra bucks if you've had COVID and you have the antibodies, you can go and donate plasma and they will pay you $100 every time you go and do it. So if you need a little bit extra cash, Go and check that out, and uh, you're welcome. You know, there's another touchdown right there, baby. Go grab it. Go grab that and make you some money, man. All right, that is a uh, a very long intro, you know, but I, I'm just, uh, I'm flowing. I'm feeling good, and now I got these stories to give to you guys, and I hope that you'll enjoy them, and I hope you'll be back next week. So here we go. Foul play. So this is a story where I actually am using real names only because the nature of the story and because I'm not sharing anything that hasn't been shared or reported by the news and because I have permission from this writer to uh, to talk about this and, and maybe bring some exposure to this, okay? And you can find news articles for these stories naming the abuser and the victims involved and... Um, Again, because this writer may eventually come on the show and is cool with me sharing this stuff, then this is an instance where the names are real and the story is tragic. This writer's name is Kathy. Kathy said that she had been a dental assistant for 40 years, and she got in the car and we were talking about veneers and implants. I told her the Derby 17 story. I showed her my veneers. That was like the first 15 minutes of the ride. And then we got to talking about where she was at in life, and she told me that she was widowed. So we talked about her dating life. I was like, you dating anybody? You back out on there on the market? She was like, no, you get to my age. You just don't care about it anymore. You don't care about what you look like. I've got this guy. We spent some time together. He's a friend, and and that's he's a companion, and that's really all I need at this point because at this point, I'm just looking after my family and I've done about everything that I've wanted to do. I've lived this full life. I'm about to be 62 years old in May and I'm just hoping for more years to be able to give to my family. I said, oh, that's really cool. How many grandkids do you have? Actually, 13. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) She laughed. I said, God, Christmas is most bankrupt you. She said, oh my gosh, yes. But it's neat because... I've lost one grandchild and I've lost one daughter and it's odd because I lost the grandson first and then his mama passed away on the Monday before Thanksgiving of last year. Wow. Of what? She died of an overdose. When her son was murdered, he was four years old and the idiot that she was with beat him to death. Oh my God. This was happening December of 2010 and she tried to hang on. She had other children. She had gotten custody of her other children and she tried to hang in there but She just couldn't rest with the fact that her son was gone. And she started self-medicating, and it progressed to where she was a full-blown addict, and it just, she tried rehab several times, and she was clean 18 months this last time, and she came back to where I'm living, and, and I just panicked. I said, oh my God, I can survive down here, but you can't. P- 
please don't come down. And she did, and it just, well, what happened to the guy? Oh, he only got 15 years. Yeah, you can kill a baby and get 15 years in Kentucky. Wow. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, I've been on homicide committees, every kind of thing possible to help people that experience this type of trauma, and it just, I made a documentary, and I went to Frankfurt on it, and have you ever heard of Marcy's Law? Uh, yeah, actually, I have, and, I, and at this point, I didn't actually specifically know what it was. I just remember those PSAs that Kelsey Grammer was doing, talking about Marcy's Law and why Kentuckians should vote yes on Marcy's Law, and uh, basically, it's a bill that extends more rights to the victims, and so... I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm familiar with it. She said, I helped start Marcy's Law, and they still haven't passed it in Kentucky. But I did a documentary in Frankfurt, and they used my interview to start it, and then I closed it and, and was at the very end. I was the last one seen on video saying, Kentucky needs Marcy's Law. And I didn't think it was going to be like that at all. I mean, I went in and they had people running all over the place, yelling cut and action like they were doing a movie. They had makeup girls come over and they helped me with my hair and, and my makeup and stuff because I, I really got emotional reliving that trauma and that stuff all over again. Would you want to tell that story again? Yeah. I host a podcast and it's all about the people that I meet doing this and the rides that they tell me and every once in a while when I meet somebody like yourself who's got another story to tell, then I bring them on the podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely, she says. I, I said, that'd be really cool. Yeah, because he, let me see if I can find it real quick. And she took a few minutes trying to find this video on Facebook. And so as we're kind of sitting there, um, at this point we've pulled up to her destination and we're still talking and the car is idling and we're parked and she's looking for this video on Facebook and, and like a minute goes by and she's kind of like saying things like, where is it? You know, I, I thought I just had it. I, I guess I got to go back further. And uh, then just to break the silence, I said, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's really something that hits close to me because I was a child of abuse. And she said, yeah, it's just it's sad, and and then a video starts playing, and she says, what in the world? It's, uh, like Facebook, I had, a, uh, and this is crazy, I know I probably shouldn't have, but since my daughter died, it's questionable. They say it's accidental, but her death? Uh-huh. Somebody, uh, accidental overdose, that's what they said. Because, I, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. She was getting her children back. She was working with a CPS worker to do that. And things were going good. And it's odd because her cousin Bethany, on the other side of the family that she was living with, and she is just a mess. She was arguing with her boyfriend, and she thought that Tara, my daughter, was fooling around with her boyfriend. And ended up bragging after Tara died, like, yeah, I killed Tara. I killed Tara. I hope to God that she didn't. And see, they won't open. There's so many overdoses in Portland that I don't even know if they're going to reopen it. I'm raising hell, as much hell as I can raise, but I don't know if we're going to be able to reopen this case. And for people outside of Louisville, Portland is an area in downtown Louisville that is home to a lot of lower-income housing, some poverty, crime. It's, um, it's just one of those areas. It's, it's an area that, that uh, the suburb people tend to avoid and, and think is like 
is burning down constantly. But it's it's not. There's some bad shit that goes down. But that's you know, look, bad shit goes down in the burbs too, man. You know, like break-ins, all, all kinds of shit, alcohol abuse, domestic abuse. I mean, that, that shit happens whether it's in a nice house or whether in it's maybe a, a not so nice house. I mean, that's that's something that has no uh, socioeconomic barrier. You know what I mean? So I said, uh, well, listen, I, I would love to help you get some exposure for that. And she's still fumbling, trying to find this video. She says, yeah, because it's, it, and she trails off because, you know, like I said, she's still trying to find this video that she has saved. And she's just, you know, kind of saying like three words of one sentence and then trailing off again. And so after a few more minutes of this, I said, well, look, if you want, you can just find it and then send it to me. And then before we speak again, I can look and, and, and watch that and jot down some questions about that. If you'd be okay to come out to my studio, if you could make it out there, that'd be awesome because that's an incredible story. Oh, it's, you know, I wish that. And then finally she finds it and says, here it is. And she flips it full screen and she hands me the phone. And then there she is starting this four-minute video saying the child's name and that he was beaten to death by the guy that did it, Johnny Juliet. And she says he was my child. My grandchild was beaten to death by Johnny Juliet. He lived on life support for two days and was pronounced dead. And the video went on for like another three or four minutes. We watched the whole thing. We sat there and watched the whole thing. We had been parked for a minute or two while she was looking for it. So as it's ending, she says, so yeah, I'll definitely call you. And I said, yeah, this is the studio. And I show her a picture of the setup that I got in the condo, right? And I say, I'll sit on this side. You'll sit on this side. Because, <laughs> you know, saying, hey, come to my condo. I've got a studio in my basement. Uh, versus showing them how legit the studio actually that I've built is. Um, that's that's a lot better, especially for a woman, you know, coming into a situation where there's some guy like, yeah, come to my basement. You know what I mean? Like, I, I ain't Buffalo Bill around here. You feel me? Like, that's not the type of shit that we be on. So, uh, you know, showing her that, I, you know, I'm like, look, it's legit, you know, like, it's cool. If you're If you're cool with that, if you're comfortable with that, It'll just be better, you know. I'll get you on the microphone, and it'll just sound more. more it'll sound quality. It'll it'll just be a better experience, honestly. And plus, in person interviews, especially about some raw shit like that, it's just it, the level of depth and emotion that that's created uh, between two people sitting a couple feet from each other versus the barrier that technology presents, whether it's through um, Zoom on a on a computer or FaceTime. It's just a different level of interpersonal communication and connection. And, and so that's why interviews are always better if you can be with the person. And I stress that to people, you know, and, and that's why I'm like, you know, I, I think if you'd be cool to come here, um, you know, I'll ask you about that as, as well as your life experiences. And I think it could be a really strong interview. And she says, yeah, because if I can get exposure to that, because I really do believe in my heart that it was foul play where somebody shot her with a hot shot and a mixture of, uh, like they said it was a deadly dose of meth and fentanyl. And it's weird because when Bethany came in and said, oh, Aunt Kathy, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I tried to revive her, I tried to revive her. And so I was just so distraught at that point that my daughter was gone, I thought, okay, I understand. So I was okay with her at that point. Well, then my aunt calls me and said, they're investigating Bethany on Tara's murder. I go, what? And so now, you know, 
I've told the police officers this. I told the detectives this. And we already got the death certificate saying it was an accidental overdose. So I don't know if they're going to reopen it or not. And you think Bethany stuck her with the, yeah, oh, yeah, I think so. Yep. I think there's more to the story than maybe I will ever find out. I mean, I'm going to a psychic medium tomorrow. It's Matt Fraser. I don't know if you heard of him. I got an appointment with him tomorrow online, and maybe Tara will come through that and tell me yay or nay. <laughs> yeah, I said it. And then call me, and then all these podcasts you listen to about them solving murders. I mean, we like that could fucking be us, man. Come on. And she was laughing, and she says, I'd love it. I'd love it because this is, she does not need to, you know, do you remember, I don't know how long ago it was, there was a story about a guy here in Louisville who was shot, I think, maybe his throat slit, and caught on fire? It was on the news and everything. Well, Bethany is supposed to be a part of that. Mmm. So, I mean, she's no angel. All right, well, there's a lot to dig into here, and I really hope that you'll text me. I will. Thank you so much. So, enjoy the rest of your day. And she got out. Couldn't have been nicer. And uh, she was really, she was really good about it. You know, she was really. It sounded like she had a really good perspective on everything, and and she was at peace with what had happened. I mean, losing a daughter. I, I don't know. Maybe if you ever come to peace with that, but I think as time goes on, you you just you learn how to live your life and move on. Um, and it's just one of those things. But you know, she was able to talk about it and and keep her composure, and she was strong about it, and. Um, I, you know, so kudos to that. And that happened uh, last Friday night. So as of the time of me writing this and, and taping this Sunday morning, I haven't gotten any text from her. But when you're listening to this episode, it'll be out on Wednesday. So I'll have to give you an update on next week's episode, if she ever hit me up or not. But wow, that was a lot. And I did find some old news articles surrounding this case. One of them reads, In 2010, four-year-old Tony Hack had seizures that left him unresponsible after being left in the care of his mother's then-boyfriend, Johnny Juliot. When Hack died, an autopsy revealed that he was beaten to death. Detectives found blood and Tony's teeth inside the home where he was left alone with Juliot. Juliot is in jail charged with first-degree criminal abuse, and investigators tell us he has a violent history. Police in southern Indiana tell us just two months ago, Juliet was dating another woman whom he beat and tried to strangle to death. According to court records, that ex-girlfriend said he punched her in the head and chest, headbutted her, kicked her, and then held up a knife and hit her in the back of the head with it. According to those court documents, her two small children were in earshot of the violence. Tony was rushed to Cozair Children's Hospital with three skull fractures and bruises covering his body. He died two days later. Once pronounced dead, Juliet was charged with murder. So fast forward to now, prosecutors had initially sought the death penalty for Juliet, but he took a plea deal for less time, and that's why she was saying, yeah, you can kill a child and get 15 years. He pled guilty to manslaughter, criminal abuse, and tampering with evidence because he tried to clean up the scene of the crime after he realized what he'd done. Uh, obviously didn't do a good job of it if they still found... <laughs> that I mean, that sentence alone, like, the fact that they found children's teeth where this happened? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? That is, 
I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just at a loss for words. I mean, just thinking about that scene, it's just, wow, 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 wow. Um, mm, this piece of shit, <laughs> this piece of shit is going to be eligible for parole in 2025. That's four years from now. That's crazy. Um, so putting my murder podcast hat on, I would start with the cousin, Bethany. Why would she brag and say that she killed Tara? Who did she say that to? What was the context? Who can corroborate that that was actually said? And how did Kathy find out about it? Was she saying it to that many people that it made its way back around to Kathy? That's a very weird thing to flex about and take credit for, right? I mean, yeah, I killed, like, if you didn't, I mean, that that's just a weird thing to say. So that's very suspicious. Did she make those comments or not? And can we prove it? So that's that's where I would first start, is with the cousin. And then secondly, trying to establish a motive. Why did she kill her? Why would she have wanted her dead? And then also, Kathy says that she was told by one of her aunts that the police were investigating Bethany in another unrelated murder. So what's the deal with that? Who was that person? And what was Bethany's relationship to them? Was she involved? What would she stood to have gained from their death? So th- this is where my mind goes, right? And, and that's how those things start. Is like, can we find some people that know Bethany that could speak to the type of person that she is that that aren't Kathy, right? Um, former friends, coworkers, associates, whatever. That's how those things start. That's how these murder podcasts start. You start asking questions, and then you get some answers, and then you've got more questions about uh, those answers that you got. And then you just breadcrumb it as far as you can go. And maybe there's a case here, maybe not. I got to say this, and I think this is fair, and and this is real talk, so this is, you know, I got to be the one to say this. As a journalist, whose job it is to be objective and skeptical and, and, and cynical about some of this stuff, anytime you're being presented facts, you have to question it, because truth is the absolute bottom line in journalism, or at least it's supposed to be, right? Um, and I, look, I have no doubt that this cousin Bethany is a low life piece of shit. I mean, from everything that Kathy told me, sounds like this is a bad person. Okay. Maybe that's not fair to pass that judgment, but from what this person told me about this other person, sounds like maybe she's a piece of shit. Okay. But did she kill her cousin? That's going to need evidence. And maybe as a parent who's lost a grandchild and now a child in a very painful way, maybe it's easier to go on believing that there was foul play instead of what seems like a very plausible conclusion that Tara simply overdosed. If she had spiraled out of control into full-blown addiction, I mean, fuck, I just had a friend pass away this week of an accidental overdose. That's a very common thing in this country and in the world, unfortunately. But does that mean that there was anything nefarious surrounding his death, my friend's death? No. What about Tara's? I don't know. I don't know. My biggest question there again comes back to the motive. Why would Bethany kill Tara? Did she want her dead? And if so, why? What did Bethany stand to gain from Tara not being here anymore? Establish a legitimate reason for that, or at the very least, enough to raise a reasonable suspicion, and you've got yourself a case. 
But not trusting someone and not liking someone because they're a shitty person doesn't make that person a murderer. That's why we have the Fifth Amendment and due process of law, right? Innocent until proven guilty. So maybe the police didn't want to reopen the case because there's not really a case to be made. Or maybe they never followed up because they didn't want to go in on this. I mean, this sounds insensitive because we're talking about life and death here and someone's family member and someone's daughter and friend and um, but for lack of a better phrase, maybe police didn't want to go on a wild goose chase when they know that even if they did, it still wouldn't have any effect on the outcome that Kathy's daughter Tara is dead and that there's nothing that's going to bring her back. And that's a really tragic pill to swallow. Um, and, and maybe there is more to the story. And if there is, I would love to tell that story. Um, but that, that should absolutely be brought to light and Bethany should absolutely have to answer for or explain what Kathy is alleging here with her suspected involvement in Tara's death. Maybe things did get overlooked or ignored, or maybe the detectives who were working the case did fail to follow up on things or let stuff slide and didn't want to be bothered with reopening the case. We may never know. But I'll keep you updated if anything else develops. Billy Street Soldier. This is a story about the notion of being a product in one's environment and doing what you got to do sometimes in order to survive. We'll call this guy Anton. Anton hops in and I said, what's good, man? He said, nothing, nothing, chilling. What have you been into? Actually, uh, I just moved down here from Philly. Yeah, I'm from Philly. So I just moved down here like a week ago, and I got a kid down here, so that's, that's why. Oh, cool. How old is uh, he or she? She's five months. Damn. Came at you quick, huh? Yeah. Well, kudos to you for moving down and manning up. A lot of people would have skated on that. What made you want to do that? What, moving down here? Yeah, I mean, that's not an easy decision. It would be easy just to say fuck it, you know? Well, actually, my city is... It's really, really bad down there. I didn't want to move her out and, and be up there with her, so that's why I came down here. I said, I've never been to Philly. He said, well, if you go to Philly, do not, like, do not, just stay downtown. Do not stay downtown? No, 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 stay downtown. Oh, how come? Because anywhere else is violence everywhere down there. I mean, there's violence downtown too, but it's better downtown. Then the suburbs or the areas around the city or what? Ain't no suburbs in Philly. It's all the hood. Ain't no suburbs in Philly. It's just the city. Like the whole thing is bad right now. It's real bad. I, I wouldn't suggest anybody going down there right now. It's all these people trying to be something that they're not. They got to prove they self. Yeah. Gain acceptance. Impress some low life. Yeah. Do you have a bunch of, huh? Did you have friends that went and like... Tell me about the gangs in Philly. Ah, ain't no gangs in Philly. Ain't no Bloods, Crips, ain't nothing like that. Nah, we don't do that stuff. Down here is Bloods and Crips, though. You're telling me there's no gangs in Philly? Nope, no gangs at all. What? Promise you, man, ain't no gangs at all. Yeah, okay, there's no mafia either. Nope. <laughs> we both kind of laughed. And I said, well, I know here... Like, during the summer here, there was a lot of carjackings, and it was a lot of young kids that were trying to impress people and get in with the gangs here, and that was one of their steps to initiation. 
Yeah, all, all that gang stuff. Nah, we don't do all that in Philly. I mean, I know gangs are out here, but that's not something we do in Philly. Well, then who controls the drugs? We do. People just get it from shipments and then put it out on the streets. But as far as gangs, nah. Like Bloods, Crips, nah. Ain't no gangs like that. All right, but there's different cliques, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's got to be a structure. We go by blocks. Oh, okay. Yeah, because if you just put people on the street, they've got to answer to somebody, right? they got to be held accountable, and there's got to be some kind of a hierarchy to that, right? That's part of why I moved, because I was in the street life, but I got a daughter now. But I got a daughter now, so I'm trying to get out of all that. Were you selling? Nah, not anymore. No, I mean, when you, when you were? Oh, yeah, 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 I was. Rock? I was selling perks, Xan, weed, coke, all that. How long did you do it before you got out? Since I was 14. Right now, I'm 22. So from 14 to 22, you were out there hustling in the streets? Yup. I got shot twice. I got grazed, got grazed in my head, and then I got shot in my stomach too. Mm. How long were you in the hospital? Uh, Probably like five months, six months. Just a deal gone wrong? Was there somebody trying to rob you or what? Uh, I was in the wrong area. Selling in the wrong area? Yeah, I was in the wrong area. So tell me about what it's like waking up day to day and just rolling out there What's going through your mind the whole time? You're just trying to stay alive and avoid where the cops go and sell everything you got. How much could you typically make in a week? Uh, Probably like at least 3K. Straight profit? Yeah. But sometimes it's not like a steady 3K. You know, sometimes week to week it'd be higher. Sometimes it'd be lower. What's the most fucked up thing you had to do? Actually, uh, let me see. I done did a lot of fucked up shit that I regret doing. Because now I look back and I know it was just stupid, man. That whole life. But the most fucked up thing that I had to do was I had to shoot somebody. Yeah, I shot somebody. To death? Yeah, I shot somebody. That sucks, man. I mean, you start going down that road... And then as soon as you're going down it, you start making all these different decisions. And then it's like, fuck, this is what comes next. Like, this is chronologically what I have to do next. You know, now I have to do this. I'm in it. Yeah. I mean, if 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 that's what you grew up around, then you're going to succumb to that. Sure. That's how I see it. I grew up around that stuff. Your dad? Older brothers? Yeah. Actually, and then... I've seen some pretty fucked up shit that happened to people. In front of me, too. I've seen people die in front of me. I've seen all of that. So all this crime happened. People getting shot. When people that's younger than me tell me they doing it, like, it don't, it don't phase me. Because I, I, I already did all that stuff. So I'm trying to tell these young people they, don't, they need to get their life together. Because anything can happen. I, mean, I almost died twice. The shooting? Yeah. Yeah, that's scary, man. I'm glad you made it out. Yeah, I had to. Thank you. That's why I'm trying to stay on the right path. You can do it. Just remember why you're doing it. Your daughter and everything else you got going on. You you going to work right now? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, look, you're making some money. It's different kind of money, you know? Yeah, slow money. Yeah, but 
you got some good opportunities and some good things cooking right now. So just stay with that, man. Stay consistent. I I got you. I got you. Good deal. And this is something that people <laughs> can't understand or grasp when you don't know this experience. But like he's saying, dude, um, and like somebody else so, I mean, just eloquently put it, and it just makes it so clear, you know, look, I didn't have, uh, this was another writer that was telling me, I didn't have people around me who were going to college, who were stressing college. I had people that were telling me how to make money every day, how to put food on my plate, and it didn't matter what it involved. You know, if if I had had the money to go to college, if I had grown up in a different part of town, I might have gone on to college. I might have had good grades, you know, but I had to live in the streets, man. And uh, in, in a big enough city like Philly and you know, you're you're growing up, and and it it comes back to this thing of being a product in your environment. Of your, it comes back to this thing of being a product of your environment. Like that's a real thing, that's a really real thing. Um, but I'm I'm happy for this guy. He got out. I mean, dude, 14 years old, and you're selling on the corner. Think about that. Think about that. Your your balls haven't even dropped yet. You know, like you haven't even hit puberty, and and you're out there like with junkies coming up to you and buying from you that could easily rob you and see you as a 14-year-old kid and be like, I'm going to take this kid for everything he's got. I mean, that's that's a that's a hustle that uh, n- none of us, um, you know, maybe some of us, I, I don't know, but I, I certainly don't know about. Um, so it's, I like getting to, to speak with people like that, that that have lived that. And it's like, whoa, what's that like? You know, tell me about that. Tell me some of those stories. And uh, again, it's not my job to judge who who they, this guy is or what he's done, and um, you know that's that's not my position to judge. Only God can judge. So to me, it's just about being a conduit for for story and content and trying to get this guy to focus on his wise. Look, you moved down here for your daughter to get away from that Philly life. So now that you're here continue to make the most of the opportunities that you have because it sounds like if you got a job and, you, and you, you're back with your baby mama, like, that's good shit, man. So just keep rocking with that. Across the street. This is a pretty quick one. I picked up uh, a writer that we're going to call Anita at one of the hospitals downtown. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Ready to go home. Did you just get off work or were you in the hospital? Oh, yeah. Uh, I work. Yeah, I changed out of the uniform because of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't wear those scrubs when I, like, I go in regular clothes, and then I change into my scrubs, and then I get out of my scrubs, and then I change back into my regular clothes. And I've done that since they uh, since they started it, actually, the hospital. Okay, cool. So what do you do at the hospital? Oh, I'm just a CNA. Okay. Yeah, I, I do the dirty, dirty work. How old are most of the patients that you work with? Oh, I actually go through a variety. I'm technically with Cozair, so sometimes I work with kids. Sometimes I work with the adults if we have like a call-in on a snow day or something like that. Sometimes I've been on the stroke unit, the burn unit. Mm, I was on uh, the COVID unit in the beginning. What's the toughest group to work with in terms of like emotionally? Emotionally? The kids. My gosh. One time... We had a gunshot wound to an eight-year-old girl, and that was because the baby daddy decided to play with a gun, and he pointed it at the baby mama and shot it, and it swung past and hit the little girl in the hip. Oh, God. Yeah, so we had a baby daddy and baby mama drama 
like the parents, right? So the grandparents, but the parents were like, we have custody. And the grandparents were like, no, we want the custody. So CPS was there and Louisville Metro was there. So we had to have all that. Man. Yeah, and then one time I was in the adult trauma. We had no joke. It was a guy who wanted his grandmother's will. So we cut her neck. He slashed her neck, but she survived. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, she survived. What did he want in her will? She had good money. He actually wanted to control and say that she was suicidal, da-da-da-da-da, and the doctor said there is no way. that The way that that nick went, the cut went through left to right, and the way it didn't go deep in her wrists, it's a setup. So they, they did. They got her, and then they asked her, they said, is this who did this to you? And she shook her head up and down. And they said, all right, we're taking it. Put a warrant out on his ass. I say again, holy shit. And then, yeah, yeah, EMS even said, like, this dude, I know this dude from high school. He would do this. And they're like, he would? The guy said, yeah, he would do this. They said, do you know his name? And he said, yeah, I'll give you all the name. How old was she? Poor thing, she was 67 years old. Oh, my God. And she lived by herself, and the son was married and was going through a divorce and lived with her for a minute. And I said, well, you piece He slit her wrists, too? Yeah, to make it look like she was suicidal. He put a nick in the wrists, but they knew it wasn't real slits. Like, real slits, the way they would have known that it was for a suicide, or at least the way that we're trained to see, you know what I mean? Yeah, down the road, not across the street, right? Yeah, if you go down like this... That means they're legit trying to kill themselves. If they go across, it usually just means they're trying to get attention. But she just had this little nick left to right. So we knew that he was full of shit. Wow. Yeah, we just knew it. Is this cool right here? Yep. Thank you. Nice talking to you. You as well. So that was a really quick one. But it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I tell you what, CNAs... I've, I've met a handful of CNAs and, and picked up a handful of people who work in the hospital and uh, or at, at, at uh, assisted living facilities that are CNAs there. And most people who work in healthcare, like nurses and, and those type of people, they have really good stories. And I, I'm not sure that this story really falls into any kind of a like a, a larger or broader kind of a, a, a thing, you know what I mean? But I included those two stories just because they were raw and I was just like, whoa. Wrong car. I feel like it's been a while since I've told a funny story lately. Something that really had me in a rider or my riders rolling. And whatever that streak is at, it ends here because this is a pretty funny story about a couple whose confusion led to a harmless mix-up. So I picked this couple up from Matt Wynn's Steakhouse at Churchill Downs. I had no idea this was even a place, uh, and I had a really tough time finding these two because they were literally wandering around Churchill Downs' parking lot, and the valet at the restaurant, like, I pulled up, and it doesn't even look like a restaurant. It looks like it, it's, it's, it's built onto the structure of, like, Churchill Downs, and so I pull up, and I'm like, this is a restaurant? What the hell? And this valet guy comes out, and he's like, hey, who are you here for? And I, I said this guy's name, and he said, it might be them. And he points to a pair of, of boomers roaming aimlessly in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, cool. So I pull up to them, and I love when this happens. I swear to God, only boomers, man. I, I, I will, uh, I'll pull up to them, 
and I'm like, hey, Bill, and he just stares at me, and he looks down at the app, and I'm like, are you Bill? And he shakes his head like a lost puppy, and he's like, yes. And uh, he walks back, and he still comes up to check my plate, that I'm his guy, as if there'd be anybody else that would randomly pull up on him and know his name and, and like be looking for him. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, get in. Let's just get the show on the road, man. Come on. It's it, Have you used you before? Yeah, come on. Let's go. Um, eventually they do and they were really nice, you know, so I'm not trying to like talk shit about, uh, like boomers cause they were nice boomers, you know, and, and not all boomers suck. Right. But, uh, eventually they get in and they're like, Oh, we, we thought you were a Jeep. We were looking for a Jeep. I was like, <laughs> nice. So dinner was good then one bottle, two bottles. How deep are we tonight? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, where are you guys from Charlotte? He says, Hey, do you know anywhere where we could stop and get wine or liquor? Mmm. No, not off the top of my head, but I could look it up real quick and we could just make a stop. Yeah, we'll pay extra for it if you don't mind. Sure. So we left there and then we were going to get something. He said, we left there and then we were going to get something from the restaurant, but then everything got all confused. So we've been out there like almost 40 minutes. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first guy I think ditched us. So if you don't mind, I would really greatly appreciate it and, and I'll pay you. I'll tip you very well. I'm like, okay, cool. Say less, bro. So we pull up to the closest liquor store that I could find, and it's on the corner of an intersection downtown, and I park on the street, and he gets out, and his wife stays in the car, and we see him approach this door on our side of the street, and it appears to be locked, and we're watching him go up to it and pull on it, and it's locked. I say, oh, no. But he walks around the corner, presumably where there's another entrance that we just can't see from where we're sitting. And she says, maybe there's another door? Well, about a minute goes by, and we don't see him come back around the corner, so we're assuming that he was able to get in, right? And I keep the chat rolling with his wife, and she was telling me about how the alcohol laws are different in Kentucky than in North Carolina, um, as they are in most states, because it's... It was really weird after Prohibition, it left it all to the states to determine their own laws and everything. And so each state is different about when you can buy, where you can buy, percentages, wet counties, dry counties. Like we have that in Kentucky and it blows people's minds that there's this thing called a dry county. It's And it is. It's it's really weird and it's tied up in religion and again, something else that religion ruins for the, for the rest of us, you know, but... Uh, but, but you know, then we I don't I don't even know how this came up, um, but she was talking to me about Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, and the documentary that just came out about him on Netflix, and and we were talking about that. So I I don't know it was pretty bizarre, but maybe four or five minutes elapse in total while we're waiting on this guy, and then all of a sudden we see him scampering around the corner with a brown bag in his hands. So we're like, okay, cool, great, all right, there he is. I say, he says, yay. Thank you. You made our night. Good, good. Well, he gets in, and I say, all right. We were getting worried there when that door was locked, and we all kind of laugh, and he says, yeah, I was too. And then, this is great, all right? I'm just going to be honest here. This guy was short and fat. I'm not trying to fat shame. I'm just, I'm painting the picture here. I mean, like, he had to hold on to different parts of the car to get seated in the car every time he got in or out, and it literally winded him. Like, he was out of breath getting situated and seated in the car. And I wouldn't have included that in the story, except when he returned to the car and he got in, (laughs) he opened his door all the way up, okay? And now, he's finally seated in the car, 
either his arms were too short or his stomach was too fat, but he could not reach out far enough and grab the handle and shut the door. So he would lean up and miss and rock back and forth to build some momentum back up and lean up and miss. I mean, my car is rocking back and forth and he does this three or four more times and his wife says, get it, short arms. And she's laughing at him. And now since she laughing at him, I, you know, I can't contain my laughter because she's breaking his balls and listening to her dog is ass. So now we're both laughing and she's laughing and he's trying to laugh it off. I mean, I was seriously thinking, at what point do I get out and close this door for him? I did not think he was going to get it. He's just sitting there. Ah, boom. And finally, on his fifth attempt, He had shifted his body weight far enough that his stubby little arm could reach up on the door handle and pull the thing shut. Hey, (laughs) me and his wife cheer for him and he closes his eyes and he puts his head against the headrest and he tries to catch his breath under his mask because now he's really winded. So his wife says, did you get the kind that we had at the restaurant? (sighs) How much was the bottle compared to the restaurant? Yeah, not bad. (laughs) What'd you get, I asked him. Angel's Envy. Oh, that's the good stuff. Wife says, we don't normally drink liquor, but we do when we come to Kentucky. Hey, it's the bourbon capital of the world, man. That's what he says. We got to do it. (sighs) Well, one thing he says I just freaked some guys out, and he starts laughing. We're like, what is he talking about? His wife says, what? He's literally still trying to catch his breath from shutting the door to this point, which is amazing still. You're doing great, sweetie. And he says, I ran out of the back, and there's a car right there that I thought it was you. Oh, no. And I went to get in the car, and there's these guys. They're just looking at me, and they throw their hands up, and they go, eh. And me and his wife are dying at this point because he's laughing at himself. And he says, I think I scared the hell out of these guys. I mean, I was running up to their car like I would just rob the store or something. (laughs) And wifey says, hey, we need some extra cash. I chime in and say, shut up and drive. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. And we just had a big old laugh at his expense. And he was a good sport about it, though. He took it all in stride. And I'm sure he's used to it. I mean, it sounds like, you know, their relationship kind of hinges on him being the lovable fat guy and her kind of cracking jokes and breaking this guy's balls. And and he's cool with it, you know. Um, But after we had kind of laughed ourselves out, it was wifey who said, I promise this kind of stuff happens to us all the time. Remember Mexico? And they just looked at each other and laughed. (laughs) So I did get that story. I'll have to save it for a rainy day. But man, I, I am just I am I am just like tickled thinking about the look on those other people's faces when some dude runs up to their car and opens the door wearing a mask so you cannot see his face, right? And they have no idea who it is. And they probably <laughs> they have no idea who it is. <laughs> Like, they they probably pissed their pants, jumped up, head hits the sunroof. Like, they were probably scared out of their mind, dude. So, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe that's why he spent so much time trying to figure out if, if my car was my car. You would think after he looked and examined the car and me, after all that time, he would know exactly what car he was getting back into. But man, this is just a, a confused guy nonetheless. But yeah, make sure you're in the right car next time and not the wrong car. Stay in the fight. Now that I've been driving for nine months, there's a handful of themes that come up most often. And I think if and when I get to the point where I am doing different seasons of the show, I could group together sections and do like however many stories on one thing or one subject and another set of stories related to another subject like funny stories, relationship stories, addiction stories, work stories. But the addiction thing, that's a big one. I have a lot of writers who speak to me about addiction and that it it, it, it comes up because addiction is something that manifests itself in a lot of people's lives, either your life or their life or somebody that they love, uh, losing somebody to addiction. I mean, I just lost my friend Tanner um, to addiction. And it's just, most people can relate to that. And um, if I drove for six months and just pull together all of the addiction stories and release that. I mean, think about that. It's just like a chapter in a book, you know, a chapter in this podcast. It Addiction could have its own, I mean, it could honestly be its own book. Like, it, there's, there's times doing this podcast where I've wondered, should I just go in and do an addiction podcast, you know, because I speak to enough people that it could seriously generate that content and keep that churning. But, um, it's, it, yeah, it, it's just one of those subjects, right? But that's a big one. But that's a really big one. And that's what this story is about, is addiction. But it, it's more about starting over, overcoming personal trials and tribulations, and staying in the fight. Staying in the fight. So we'll call this writer Tommy. Tommy hops in. So what's up, man? How's your day going? So far, so good. Just trying to stay positive and grateful despite some bumps in the road. What's going on? Uh, I just got some people staying with me that are just basically difficult to get rid of. Family? Uh, People that are close, yeah. And I just feel like I'm being lied to. About what? The pending apartment they're getting, you know? I'm just a real private person and they've been there a little longer than I anticipated. They've worn out their welcome. Yeah. And I just feel like I'm being used, man. And I'm kind of a non-confrontational person, but I'm trying to figure out the correct combination of words to get them the F out. How close are you with these people? Not terribly close. I mean, I've had my brother stay with me before, but that's a different situation, you know? This is a different situation that I've got myself into. Would you be... Would you regret not having those relationships moving forward? Not at all. Not at all. The thing is, they're just, you know, there's some other stuff that's a little bit more private that I can't share that it's just uh, causes me stress, man. We can talk about it if you'd like. I know you said, you know, but sometimes it's good to just, (laughs) this is what I do all day long, man. Yeah, well, it's just the potential for danger, that's all. Drugs? No, yeah, like, there's a conflict, and I'm outnumbered. So there has to be a certain level of finesse to the situation, which I'm figuring out. But the way I'm seeing it is, 
I'm getting a lesson, you know, like on how to handle tough situations. So far, I've handled it well, and we'll see what happens. I'm leaving for this weekend anyways, so like I don't worry about them stealing or wrecking the apartment, so just the people they bring around or what? Yeah, well, that stopped. I put an end to that. Now it's just the extraction process. How long have they been living with you? Just over a month now. Too long. But it was always a temporary thing, so yeah, what was like the... Well, the thing was, I was kind of on my heels when it happened as far as me dealing with addiction and alcoholism. And I've been sober for a few weeks now. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And I gained strength from that and articulating that as opposed to being taken advantage of. Well, and it's hard when you're trying to make changes and the people around you are still expecting you to do the same shit with them and be the same dude, right? And share the same interests, right? And you're just constantly tempted. Like, that's hard. Yeah, man. And that was the enabling process. And I recognize that. It's not a life or death situation, so it's all going to work out, you know? I got to put it in God's hands. (laughs) I said, I think you got to put it in your hands. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I said, God's not going to come in and tell these people cut the shit, man. God's not going to come in and pack their boxes and tell them move out, you know? He said, that's true. Yeah, it's a tricky situation. It's real, uh, I don't know, man. I think about it too often. Just because you're that adverse to confrontation or because you really feel that you could possibly be hurt. Yeah, both. Really? Yeah. How many people is it? Just one dude and sometimes his girlfriend? Does he have a bunch of stuff in the house? Nah, just clothes. So the thing is, he's supposed to be getting an apartment this weekend. So I'm gone all weekend, and if I come back Sunday night, and he's still there, I, I, I'm just going to have to have that conversation. And it is what it is. It has to be that way. Whatever the consequences are, whatever it is, I'll write down the dude's name and give it to somebody I trust and say, if anything bad happens to me, this is the dude. Yeah, I would change the locks on your place, man. How did you meet this guy? He said, so I moved to Kentucky like six months ago. So I just met him through some dudes I was getting into contact with, partying with, stuff like that. So where are you from originally? Connecticut. What what made you want to move down here? My brother lives down here, and he's been trying to get me down here for years, So, and I'm glad I did. I love it down here. What were you doing up there? Same thing, working at a restaurant, and I was going to school. I'm trying to become a social worker. Oh, cool. So yeah, yeah, I'm transferring to UofL and I have like 30 hours left, so I'm going to get that done. But first things first, man, I got to take care of myself. How long had you been trying to get sober? Oh gosh, probably two decades. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been a long journey. A lot of bullshit, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Opioids? Not so much. Just a lot of alcohol and a lot of cocaine. It stopped being fun a long time ago. Opioids, though, that's a different animal. There's a lot more risk of sudden death with that. And thankfully, that's not what I got into. But that's a, yeah, that's a tough race. It's a guessing game, I said. It is a guessing game. And it's a scavenger hunt, basically. You know, and there's a stigma around addiction. Addiction makes people appear to be selfish. Where, yeah, there's a certain level of selfishness there, but... It's not the way that people think. Like, being selfish and not caring about other people, 
No. It's just tough sometimes, you know? When someone's not feeling good about themselves, it's tough to reach out. That's what isolation is. But these last few weeks, I've been opening back up, texting people back, letting my brother know that I'm all right during the week. And when people are in the middle of it, though, they don't want anybody else to know. I said, well, because you don't want anybody else to see how bad it's getting. Yeah, it's the truth, man. It's just perceived by others in a different way. They don't understand what you're going through. But I feel really fortunate with where I'm at right now as far as that aspect. You said you've been struggling with this for two decades. What's the longest that you've been sober? Oh, gosh. I was sober for 20 months straight, you know, just being in and out of institutions, incarcerations, rehab. It's easy to stay sober in there. Are you going to meetings? Uh, Yeah. Right now I'm going to online meetings just because of the way that my schedule is and my availability is a little bit more limited. The online meetings, the Zoom meetings are, they're pretty good, you know. I haven't really had the personal contact uh, and the stuff that I did. It's just, it's difficult sometimes to find meetings like right now, um, but uh, that's not really a good enough excuse. It's really just, got to stay looking so have you identified what it is that makes you want to use yeah I think it's uh sometimes the boredom it used to just kind of be a regret thing you know think about the past and the future it was like that for a while and then down here it kind of became more boredom and loneliness but those are just feelings not necessarily facts feeling lonely is sort of what created it not because of lack of people around I mean I work in the service industry. Both my jobs are around people all day long. So I was getting fulfilled that way. But sometimes it's easier just to use alcohol. But I just didn't have a plan. Wasn't thinking about the future. I was still adapting to the city. And then I was staying with my brother. And he kicked me out because I started drinking again. And I was sober there for like 35 days. And he kicked me out. And he's the only one I had down here. So I had to stay in a hotel for three days. And then luckily I found an apartment. They gave me the key at the interview before I had even signed the lease. He gave me the key. So I was staying in there, which was very fortunate or else I would have been homeless. So that was a blessing for me. But then I was a little bit on my heels after that. What was your rock bottom? Oh, gosh. I don't know, man. A couple weeks ago, that was a real dark spot. These people staying here. And then I lost a buddy of mine February 3rd. He was 45, and everybody thought that he had drank himself to death. But uh, come to find out, he fell while he was fucked up and broke his neck. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that kind of fucked me up. So I kind of spun out after that. I took a couple weeks off work. Luckily, my boss really believes in me, so she let me take a couple weeks off, and I had just started there, but she's like, listen, do what you got to do, man, but come back because we need you. So that was that was uplifting. But when you do come back, she said, we need more work and less interruptions, which I understand that. That helped me get kind of focused back on where I need to be. And that's where I'm at really right now. Even with this BS that's going on in my house, that storm's going to pass no matter what. So I just got to keep moving. I said, I think the biggest thing that could probably help you would be to sit down And write out some goals that you're thinking about, you know, and kind of think about a one year, 
a two to three year and a five year just trip that you're going to take and different destinations on that trip that you want to try and hit. Because I know, you know, I'm a binge drinker and I've absolutely abused drugs in my life. I've never been addicted to one drug necessarily, but I've been on some pretty epic benders between Coke and Molly or LSD or weed or whatever the fuck. And I, I think uh, I, I've never done heroin. I've definitely abused prescription painkillers and alcohol. And I think the, my biggest thing was thinking about being here and wanting to be here. Because at some point when you're doing that to your body and you're using drugs or alcohol to escape, I just like I just reached this point where if I die tomorrow, like I don't give a fuck. What is it to me? You know? Right, right, he says. If I don't want to be here already or in general, then who gives a fuck? But shifting that mindset to thinking about the long term helped me in day-to-day stuff. Like just <laughs> like this sounds crazy. And maybe kind of gross, but brushing my teeth. When you're not thinking about being here long term, you're like, well, I'll just, you know, fuck it. I don't give a fuck what I look like. I don't give a fuck if I don't scrub my teeth in the morning. I might not even make it to lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but just changing that little thing and just being like, you know what? I need to take care of my teeth. I need to take care of my body. I need to take care of these things because I do plan on being here long term. And I think that. When you're caught up in, you know, and and I don't know how bad it was for you, but I know that there are people who go through life at such low and bad points that it is literally, where is my next drink or drug coming from? And they live their life in between those moments. Yeah. And when you are trying to get sober, now you've got all this time left to fill, and that's like the boredom thing. It's like... I think that would be good for you and it's been really good for me to try and really think about long-term goals and medium goals and short-term goals and ways that you can start filling your time now with things that are going to bring you closer to those. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you saying that. And luckily, I've always been a macro thinker and that's kind of the thing that keeps me freaking going is like, I've got 90 credits towards my degree, so I'm almost right there. Yeah, man. But I had to withdraw from school in Connecticut because it was so bad and it was seriously affecting my classwork and my interpersonal relationships with my classmates and shit. Like when I started getting noticeable and I had to withdraw. So it took a lot. It took a lot. It took me a lot to get over that because I was doing really well. And now is another transition. And the job that I have in the city is good. And they're willing to negotiate giving me more money to keep me there so I don't have to come up here and do this. Like, I can come up here and make seven or eight hundred bucks in a weekend. Damn, that's good money. Yeah, so just trying to stay with it. And I said, well, you got to hold up your end of the bargain, man. Yeah. Hey, Benjamin, man, I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, man. It's good, man. Ain't no coincidences. That's how I see it. Me neither. Thanks for your compassion and empathy and all that. Yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, man. So we had been stopped at this point at his drop-off location and we're kind of finishing up that conversation. And I said, hey, are you on Facebook? And he said, yeah. So I gave him one of my cards and I said, there's a dude that lives in my neighborhood. Connect with me on Facebook. His name is Tim Schladen. He's a licensed clinical social worker and he holds a men's group 
and he might be able to find you a good group. And he's also somebody good to talk to about your social work after you get done with your degree. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thank you. I like this. And you know what? I'm happy to report, I'm thrilled to report that after that ride, I got a text later in the day from our guy here, Tommy, that said, hey, Ben, this is Tommy from the Uber ride today. Thanks for the uplifting comments. Just wanted to touch base. And once I got that text, I reached out to Tim, who's been on this podcast before and and came in and spoke about his experiences and shared with me that he leads this men group. So when when this guy, I, I was just like, oh, I, I got somebody you need to talk to. And I reached out to Tim, made sure it was cool if I gave his number out to this guy, and I told him who it was for and, and why, and of course, Tim was cool with it. And so I connected those two, and I told Tommy, hey, here's his number. Like I said, this guy leads a men's group. He's been in recovery for 34 years. He's a licensed clinical social worker, and I think he'd be an incredible connection for you to make here in Louisville. And I hope you'll follow through and reach out to him. It may end up being one of the best decisions of your life. Be well. Be kind to yourself and stay in the fight. And he texted me back and he said, thank you so much, Ben. A true blessing and no coincidence that we crossed paths today. My spirit is uplifted. Thanks, pal. <laughs> I want to ugly cry. I want to ugly cry right now. You know, And I hope that it is. I, I really hope that it is. And uh, I'm the plug, man. I, I'm the plug. This is what I do. And that kind of feedback is the only kind of feedback that matters to me. Make, making somebody feel like they can do it, uh, that's everything to me. And that's my why. And I might have just altered this dude's life path for the rest of his life. Like he might be chartered on a new course now because of that meeting, because of that conversation, because of me connecting him with Tim. And hopefully it is the best thing that's ever happened to him, you know, or one of them, right? But that's why I think this show is going to catch on, and, and I know that this show is going to catch on, because that kind of stuff is real, dude. You can't fake that. And I think that there's a sense of community listening to that. It's like, damn, like, that's been me, or I know somebody like that, or wow, like, even though he's speaking about another person, he's kind of speaking about me too. Like, I, I, I connect with this story, and this resonates with me. And there's some closure or there's, it's therapeutic for me. I mean, trust me, me talking to, me giving therapy to people all day is therapeutic for me, you know, because I can pull on my experiences and I can also learn from other people's experiences. And it's just this really beautiful thing. Um, There are a couple of things that I want to circle back to um, that he mentioned that I just want to kind of go back to and and, and just kind of like share some thoughts on for a second. Um, What he said those are feelings, not necessarily facts. I, I, I just, be careful with that. That's true, right? What we feel is not necessarily a fact. Um, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean what you're paranoid about is actually the way that you're thinking about it, if that makes sense. But I, I do want to not invalidate anybody's feelings because what you feel is real to you and it's authentic to you. And, and it's true to you. That is your truth, your feelings. So they might be misguided. You might need more information. Um, you might just be wrong, but maybe you're right. You, you don't know, right? Um, but your feelings are valid, okay? Let me say that again. Your feelings are valid. 
even if they're irrational. It's what you're thinking. It's it's what you feel, and that's valid. Your your feelings are not invalid. So just be careful with that. But but what he's saying, feelings are not facts. It's true, but I also get how somebody could hear that and maybe take that the wrong way. So I just wanted to clear that up. Um, Something else that he said, you know, I work in the service industry. Both my jobs are around people all day, and I I get fulfilled that way. Um, You know what's funny is you can be in a room full of crowded people and yet still be the loneliest one and feel like you're alone. If you're in that moment, if you're in that place where you can't connect with anybody else and you are distant and you are feeling isolated and alone. I mean, you could be at a concert and yet surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people and be alone and feel alone. So I I get what he's saying there. Like I work in the service industry and yet I still feel alone. That, that some people don't really understand or grasp that. Maybe some people haven't experienced that type of a, a feeling, a loneliness, a place and I hope you never do, you know, because it sucks. But you can be in a room full of family. You could be at Thanksgiving and yet still feel withdrawn and distant and, and feel like I'm alone even though I'm surrounded by people, you know. And and again, um, thinking about the future is, is something that he said. And, and I kind of shared my bit on, on my perspective of that. But just thinking about the long term, you know. He's like, man, yeah, I was just like, I wasn't thinking about the future. I didn't have a plan. And that's the most important thing. If you're trying to make changes, I mean, there's the old saying that a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? Uh, because you can't have any kind of steps or, or, or logical way of getting there unless you have a plan. It's one thing to just say, I want to do this or I hope I become this. But do you have a plan to get there? It's like I'm, I'm going back and drawing upon this thing that I was doing last week with the feedback thing. It's like people think, you know, they hear me just give them the, the two-second, you know, hey, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, that's cool. And, and it's like, you know, I have a plan of where I'm trying to go. And if I didn't, that's when you should be like, wow, it kind of sounds like a pipe dream, right? But having a plan, having goals, having things that you can measure yourselves after... Uh, a certain amount of time or a certain amount of like effort or like whatever but like you should have those things because that's going to keep you on track and then you can reference that and having a plan about the future is really important and just believing that you're going to be here tomorrow or next week or in 10 years from now and picturing who you want that person to be think about that who do you want to be who are you right now and who are you trying to become What are you trying to be? Where are you trying to be? How are you trying to be? These are big, big questions. And again, it's B. It's B. B is the most powerful word in the English language in the world, in my opinion. And so now that you're thinking about that, what are the steps that you can take? What are the things that you can start doing now? What are the ways in which you can begin investing your time now that over the course of however long you set these goals out in front of you, you can start bringing yourself closer to those goals, to those endpoints. That's what I want you to think about. And that is where I leave you this week. All right. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you have not done so already, please do that. It really helps me. You guys are riding with me. You want to see me do well? Please 
leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're a Spotify listener or for my Apple Podcast people, I would really appreciate it if you would do this as well. Please leave me a rating and a review on my Facebook page for the show, at RealTalkWBennyT. That's where you can post and share and interact with the group and build this sense of community that I'm building and, and continue riding with us because it's, it's really going to be a really cool story, I promise you. Um, uh, because, you know, it's, it's through shared experiences and learning from others and being vulnerable, as Tim Schladen himself came on this podcast and spoke about, that ends up being the birthplace for a lot of beautiful things. And through that community, we grow stronger. Your vibe attracts your tribe. That's what I believe. And my tribe gets stronger and grows every single day. You guys, be well. I will be back next week. I'm going to have the Vegas vacation stories, a recount. I'm going to be one of the very first people opening Vegas back up. I got a, a, a day bed and we got bottle service and they're opening Wet Republic up and all these other different pool parties and nightclubs at 35%. And me and Maddie are going to literally be two of the very first people in the world to open back up Vegas. How fitting. What a perfect person. Who else but me? You know what I mean? Who else but me? And I'm going to keep it locked up. You know, I, I know I talk about being a binge drinker and, and uh, you know, having different... Uh, itches that I'm trying to scratch sometimes, but you know what? I'm with my woman. We're focused on each other. We're focused on the love. And I got too much going right now for me to make some stupid decision and go on a bender. So I'm good. Don't worry about your boy. All right. And I'll prove that to you coming back in and talking about that on next week episode. So I'll see you guys then. You guys be well. And uh, until next time, my friends, I'm Ben Tompkins. That's real talk.